All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football Podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, my right-hand man, Lou. All right, Lou. One of those evenings, I see. Oh, uh, you know, re- man. You know, Let me man. return the favor. That's how yeah. we're rolling as well. It's going to be a well. rough episode. It sure is. Quite a bit to unpack this week as both of our teams came off rather lackluster performances. And candidly, not too many strong performances across the league. So we'll unpack as we go and we'll look forward to to next week. But before we get right into festivities, uh, to use your words, I don't want to waste all of our energy on the foreplay here. But let's remind our listeners that tonight's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice and great betting tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive content, fascinating interviews and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family again primetimesportstalk.com your go-to for sports content now lou while we always love plugging our 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 friends over at at primetime sports talk i think it's an opportune time for us to go ahead and repeat last week and plug ourselves prior to diving into this evening's content so as i always do i rely on you to let everybody know where they can find us Find us on Instagram and Twitter at WTF Pod NFL and Weston. Tell them what they got to do for YouTube, bro. Uh, look us up on YouTube. We're talking football, nice and simple. Hit that like, hit that subscribe. Uh, you will get sick and tired of me of hearing me say this, but I did promise Lou if we got to a certain threshold, y'all know the number by now. The the millions and millions of listeners, we get to those millions and millions of su- subscribers. Lou's getting a, a nice, nice dinner on this guy. So, all right, that was our episode for tonight, everyone. So, yep. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all we have to cover today. That was week three in yeah. the 2022 NFL season. Yeah, uh, Weston and I were talking before we hopped on that. Yeah, this episode is gonna fucking suck to recap, especially from both of uh, from a home sa- hometown uh, standpoint here. So, we're not looking forward to this. I know I am not, but uh, I pretty sure you're, you're equally as bummed as i am from last oh, week it's it's it without question the reality is is like there's just gonna be a lot of negativity during this discussion and, and i'm such all... a positive guy weston so it's gonna know, be smart for me i know i know it's <laughs> like i'm so glad i get to see this opposite side of you the reality of all is all of it is deserving right it's all deserving so again uh, let's not waste the time. Let's get right into it. Beginning as we always do with our hometown takes. You let me kick off last week, Lou, so I'll return the favor this week. Your Chargers uh, hosted the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, without giving too much away, I'm sure people know the outcome of it. I'll, I'll make one statement before I chime in. I was dreadfully wrong about the outcome of this game. I told Lou, you it was going to be close. Your turn. <laughs> I was wrong, too. I said it was going to be closer than you thought, and I was 100% wrong. <laughs> So normally when we do a hometown takes, we go, uh, we first start with the good and then bad. So let's start with the good. All right. Yep. (laughs) Did everyone hear that? Because there is no good. That's me preparing for pretty much, you know, 20 minutes of living through this shitstorm from this past week. So there was no good from this weekend, uh, this past weekend with the Chargers versus the Jaguars. Uh, I couldn't literally find an ounce. Hold on. Ah, that's that's good. I couldn't literally find. Well, you're an ounce. Fine. You're finding sixteen ounces right now. <laughs> I couldn't find anything uh, to hang. You know, for the charges to hang their hat on. 
And so I think we skip the good with the Chargers. And come on, y'all, let's take a ride. Don't you say shit. Let's just get inside. It's time to take your ass on another kind of trip. Rest in peace, Julio, by the way. Coolio. No, Coolio, baby. Yeah, Fantastic he voyage. He, he died. He died today. Today? So that, today. Like, yeah, probably a couple hours ago. That's why I gave a little homage to uh, uh, Coolio. Just now he's he returned to that gangster's paradise. Breaking news all. Admittingly, most of my attention from a news perspective today has been drawn to uh, Hurricane Ian coming up through Florida. So for any Florida listeners, and we know people down there, uh, be safe. We we wish you and, and the family the best, but that's where most of my attention's been. I am ashamed to admit that I did not hear that Coolio passed away today. R.I.P. Gangsta's Paradise. And you should be ashamed, by the way. So I digress. Let's talk. Let's get into the bad. And the bad simply was everything. All right, let's start with the low-hanging fruit injuries. Rashawn Slater, out for the out for the year, the torn bicep, gone. Guyton, their only speed wide receiver in that wide receiver core, torn ACL, gone. Bosa, significant groin injury. In my opinion, um, I, I did go to the University of Google and I looked this up. So he should be about uh, out for four to six weeks from the injury that he stay, uh, sustained this past weekend, gone. Herbert, still hurt with those ribs. Corey Lindsley, their all-pro center, probably a top three center in the league. He has a knee issue. And it's not one of those acute knee issues either. This is a knee issue he's going to have to battle all year. So he's going to be in and out of the lineup throughout, you know, the rest of the season. And that's going to be extremely frustrating, especially for a team that pra- that praises continuity amongst the offensive line. He So he, he he's gone or he's coming back this weekend. But you had Allen. He's still hurt on the men. He might come back. J.C. Jackson, once again, still recovering from that surgery. So those names I just mentioned, Weston, they're not like – your second or third string, you know, uh, line defense here. These are all pro caliber players. To lose that amount of talent will, of course, have a significant impact for them this past weekend and, to be honest with you, for the rest of the season. So injuries, charges, like always, as, you know, last year I think was the outlier, but as always – Chargers decimated by injuries. Now let's look into the coaching and game plan. You know, they had 10 days to prepare for the Jacksonville Jaguars after their game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And pretty much this is – I'm not going to say the effort. I don't think it was was an effort issue, but this is the game plan they had came out with within the last – with 10 days of preparation. Extremely frustrating. And now as a fan and also as a, a casual observer, I'm starting to think, I don't know. I'm having doubts uh, from a coaching standpoint. Uh, you get the offense was going to be an issue, right? Uh, it was going to be sluggish. Herbert was going to try to bow through it. Uh, you, you, I just knew that I thought like this was going to be a low-scoring game, defensive battle, because of all the issues they have amongst you know the offense, right? They, they, they were not with they were out their center, starting center. Uh, they were out Keenan Allen. Um, you just and then Herbert, you just tell there's a lot of passes that he was throwing that were not accurate because he was affected by that rib injury. All that being said, <clears throat> the Los Angeles Chargers had 12 design rush rushing plays, 12 design rushing plays. And they made Justin Herbert, who has a cartilage, whatever the fuck you want to call it, you know, injury from his ribs, throw 45 times. 
they made him step back and pass 80% of their plays. The highest, by the way, in the league Let you have last week. This is how they protect their star quarterback. To add insult to injury, they didn't pull him in the fourth quarter when the Jaguars were up by four touchdowns and like there's like, what, five, six minutes left? I am completely befuddled, dumbfounded, whatever word you want to put there right now as a fan that they would put this guy in harm's way. Especially after Rashawn Slater got hurt. Now you have Storm and Norton Norton over there trying to do his best job to I don't know. I don't know what you, effort you would call him. He, he's just not he's not he does not deserve to be on an NFL field. And he was the one that was in charge of protecting Justin Herbert's blind side and injured Justin Herbert. Totally dumbfounded. All right, so that's the offensive side standpoint. What about the defensive side? You would think that they would put a decent effort because there's they're still loaded on the defensive side. I didn't see that either. Uh, I felt like the Jaguars picked apart the Los Angeles Chargers defense. Very concerning because it was a week ago, a week before last, I praised them how they were playing so decisive, you know, uh, efficient fo- uh, defensive football. They're you know getting all, you know, it just was. It was just night and day from a from a skill standpoint. You're going from Kansas City Chiefs to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and what happened? In my opinion, I think uh, I'm a little I'm a little concerned now. I'm starting to think I don't know if Staley is this, you know is the guy for the Los Angeles Chargers. I never questioned him last year, even in the even in the Raiders game we battle. I, I 100% thought you were wrong, but I'm starting to. It's the doubt is starting to creep in. You know, the, here's this guy that's trying to change the narrative that we're not the same old Chargers, and he does a, such a great job of talking. But is that all this is? Why did his defense not show up? Why was he unable? I, I'm not I'm not saying I'm pissed that they lost the game. But I'm pissed that the Jaguars put up that many points and just did whatever they want against this talented defense. What, Staley? Now you're going to talk about Bosa being hurt. What, Staley can't? Coach it, you can't coach a good defensive plan without having superstars on his team. No. Is that what this is coming to? I don't want to really talk about injuries, especially on the defensive side, because you see what the Ravens did last year with all the injuries they had, right? Guess what? They were one game from making the playoffs, man. One game. All right. So I don't want to, I know injuries do impact, but it comes to the point, especially I'm talking about on the defensive side, that they should have been able to not let the Jaguars put that many points. At home. Yeah, I I mean, I agree with you that it's not necessarily the loss. It's just the manner in which you lost, right? Um, and for me, it's that every team is allowed a, a one or two just unexplicable performances in a football calendar. It happens, man, right? Like game plans go awry, things happen, like – Every team falls victim to it. Most teams fall victim to it at least once in the schedule. But this one was just perplexing in in so many ways. Uh, I think numerous called, ways from a from yeah. a personnel standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, it wasn't just like oh, we, they were not performing on the field. But like, or what are you doing keeping some of your players out there? Like, yeah, what are you trying I think to the, prove? The biggest one to me that makes me and and welcome to my land of questioning your coach right and maybe 
this is knee jerk reaction. Some of this for you, right? Like, cause you were on the Staley train. We all were on the Staley train last year and how he changed the guard. Right. And, you know, just a week ago, we're saying, Hey, this is where you wanted to be at one in one. I think what hurts most about this loss is, and you don't like to talk about injuries. It's just the people who got injured. Right. And, and how that changes things. And then, where I'm still floored is, as you mentioned, right, 12 design runs, 25 total rushing yards. Even when the game's out of hand, and I know game flow dictated a lot of, like, trying to pass and trying to remain competitive and doing those things. Like, all right, if you're going to keep Herbert out there, got it. Get it. Well, don't get it, but I got it. The mere fact, like, let's just get to the end of this football game and turn around and hand the ball off. Let's try to walk out of here with some semblance of confidence or that something went right. But 25 you've rushing yards and 45 passing attempts. And we both talked about how this is going to be pain management for Herbert, right? Like this isn't going to heal even with sitting him for the week. And it was evident early. It was on his mind. He was thinking about it. He took a couple of hits where you just saw him wince on the ground, like the one fumble. Like he was just like, you know, he was in pain. But then there was a point in the time in the game where like I think adrenaline took over and things took over and he wasn't as focused on it. But by the time that happened, it was just too little too late. Right. Like it, it was just too much, too much to change. And for me, the biggest the biggest concern aside from the injuries is just the lack of running game through three weeks. Like there's, you talked about it. I I saw it. I've seen you talk about it on social media today, other days that Eckler just doesn't look explosive. And is it, you know, I think you mentioned something earlier today. I don't mean to steal your words, but like is less more with Eckler, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like spread the touches out. So when he does get him, he's more explosive. He's more productive. He's more of all of the above versus like, I mean, the guy's not a, a 30 carry back. Not that they're handing it to anybody for 30 carries at this point in time where the offense is going. But to me, like, again, outside of injuries to the prominent players that you mentioned, the glaring concern for me is the attempt or lack thereof to run the football in the NFL. Like you has to be a threat, especially now, dude, like, you know how you you buy yo, protect your, your yo protect your quarterback hundred percent, and not just this week. For the next few weeks, you have to minimize his hits. Right? See, this is so. This is my thing, right? <clears throat> Don't mean to cut you off. I'm going no, you're to. Fine. <laughs> um, this is my thing. Staley once again has preached, you know, throughout the offseason. You know, we don't want to be a talented team. We want to be a dominant team. You know, yada, yada, yada. We want to be a physical team, preaches physicality, all that stuff. That's great. But once again, that's just his lip service now because that's just him talking. If you look at this game plan, they were not a physical team this past weekend. They did not run the ball or attempt to run the ball this past weekend. They did not control the line of scrimmage on the defensive side. So all this talk, all right, this comes to a point where you got to shut your mouth and just put a plan in place, all right? And that's what you're talking about, all these things. It all comes down to, to, you know, one thing. Obviously, the injuries is paramount. That's the biggest concern, right? Because then you have to hear the next man up type shit, which is very frustrating. But my second biggest concern is his coaching, all right? Uh, I think there's a lack of creativity. So you were talking about Eckler. Yeah, I I do think he doesn't have that burst or is missing that burst. In addition, I don't think he's making people miss. I don't have any stats to this. I don't think he's making people miss as much as he was, you know, from the years prior. Um, but I also think it's a coaching standpoint. They're not putting him in a good position to succeed. 
their offensive line were not creating holes for him to run through. Eckler had like 80 rushing yards, and 77 of those 80 rushing yards came after contact, meaning like this guy's getting hit before you know he's even getting to the line of scrimmage, which is extremely frustrating. But they're not putting him out on space either. All right. So that's a huge problem. Once again, it comes down to coaching, right? Um, also, let's if you really look at you know how the games have been, you know, the, the first three games have really uh, went. There's a lack of consistency from the Chargers from playing four quarters. All right, the Chargers have been outscored 58 to 24 in the second half. This tells me the coaching staff is incapable of putting a full, competent game out, and that's concerning. All right, fine. You might be able to beat some of those other teams that have worse coaching. I'm looking at you. Uh, what's his name? Josh McDaniel. All right, <clears throat> but when you're going up against those 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 teams that are going to be in the playoff. Kansas City and Andy Reid. I'm not saying the Jaguars are going to the playoffs, but once again, an a, a, a experienced, successful coach in Peterson. You know, these are issues. And yeah. the fact that he, Staley, and the Chargers look completely lost when they play these top echelon of head coaches is a serious problem, I think. So now, now I'm having doubt that creeps in the, to the back of my head. Uh, I will go ahead. I'll let you react and I'll say one thing. No, I, I agree. Um, and I agree, especially with the notion around the defensive side of the ball. Like, yes, I know all world Joey Bosa went out, but you mean to tell me like, what is, what is this Jacksonville team known for? And it's probably their defense, right? They have better players on the defensive side of the ball to walk out of this game at home. Nonetheless, with zero sacks against inexperienced quarterback play, um, you know, not necessarily an all world offensive line. Uh, you talk about again, controlling the line of scrimmage and being physical. I mean, Jacksonville ran the ball at will, you know, it's just a, a I'll excuse the game, right? Like I'll excuse the outcome of the game. It's just the manner in which that outcome was achieved is not what I expect, and I'm sure what most Bolt fans expect from their team. Like, you can live with a loss, but this was – I mean, this was a mollywop, dude. Like, it was – I don't know how else to put it, right? It wasn't like, just it, that it – was, it just – it wasn't just that the players got outplayed. The coaches coach, got outcoached. It, it, every facet of the game. Yep. They just were outsmarted. And yeah. – that's disheartening. That's why you bring in some of those veteran leaders like Kyle Van Noy and Khalil Mack. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the whole purpose of bringing, you know, because they have experience. They're intelligent. Um, they can help. They're supposed to help stop the bleeding from a knowledge standpoint, at least. And it just, the coaching failed them. And and, I, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying at all. I'm not alluding to the fact of the charges. I do not think it was an effort thing whatsoever. I just think it was just a lack of competent game plan. And they had yeah. 10 days. They had 10 days at yeah. home, 10 days at home to come up with. This is what they came up with. That's the other so flap. You had 10 days like, oh, shit, Herbert, huh? he has a pretty serious injury, you know, rib injury. How can we protect him? All right, let's try to run the ball. All right, let's try to, you know, use Eckler more. All right, so this is my concern. Keenan Allen hasn't been out there the last two games. Where where is the utilization of Eckler? Where is the creativity of of trying to pick up Keenan Allen slack, especially in the intermediary, you know, parts of the field? Right? Where is that? Where is he? I saw him on a, a linebacker that can't cover him. 
Like, where is that? Like, why is this so hard? And you alluded to before, I'm not sure if this was offline last week or during our, during our last show that like, Oh, you know, fans, we do have that sense of entitlement. Oh, that we think we're, you know, we're smarter than, you know, coaches and what, and what have you. I tell you right now, what I'm saying is a common sense. And there's an aspect where I'm not saying I'm smarter than, you know, the coaches, but come on, man, this is common sense. All right. Allen's going to be out. So we have, let's utilize, let's use Eckler more in the passing game. And guess what? We can have a rotation three running backs to use them as, for a rushing attack. This isn't rocket science. All right. Now it's up to them to create, you know, to create the schemes and the plans and the, and the plays, but that should have been, you had 10 days to make something look unique. And it looked like the same old stick play, you know, run to the sticks, turn around, catch. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the utilization of Eckler in the slot, you know, arrow routes and out routes, you know, from the backfield. Yes. Yeah. Chip in and peel off some screens, like anything to, to get that man, the ball in space. And I, you know, I can't help but agree. Just, uh, a lack of creativity is kind of what I took from at least or a lack of imagination on the offensive side of the ball with like, listen, if this was a Thursday night game after a Sunday game, okay, I get it. But like you said, 10 days at home, at home, what are you looking? Who's next on their schedule? Texans. So you're not looking for, you know what I mean? Like you're not looking at like, Oh, we got Buffalo coming to town right after this. Let's let's or the Broncos, like a division. Yeah, rival. yeah. Like I feel like we could cheat the system a little bit and spend half of this time prep preparing for that that opponent and looking a game ahead, right? Like this wasn't a trap game, essentially, in my opinion. You know, like if if you think about who your next opponent is, and it's those halftime adjustments that really grinds my gears. <laughs> yeah. uh, and because at halftime, I think it was sixteen to ten, bro. Sixteen to ten. Yeah. So, Got out of control at the second half. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the only thing I will say this came out today. I had another bullet point here to talk about that how this coaching staff was going to throw out Storm Norton as their left tackle because they don't want to jumble their own line. That's their whole mentality. We want continuity, continuity, continuity. Regardless, so you know they don't care about result results. They just want continuity. But finally, it came out today. They came to their senses. They are not starting Storm Norton, and they're throwing out the the sixth round rookie Jamiri Salyer uh, out go. of Georgia as a left tackle. Let's go. This will pay dividends for them in the long run. Get that guy some experience. We talked about. It. I mean, this guy is a heck of a player. You know, um, I don't know how he can be really much. Listen, I, here's the problem. Going from Slater to Salier, that's rough, yeah. right? However, I'm going to try to be a glass half full type of guy right now. Going from Storm Norton to Salier, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you, do you see? It's kind of like that Alonzo Morning gif. If you ever, like, if you ever, like, you know, just t- go go on your phone, just type in Alonzo Morning. He's, like, contemplating. He's He's sad or whatever, but then he thinks something's like, oh, okay, it's not terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I thought. I'm like, all right, but it's yeah. still not Slater. But thank God it's not Storm, man. So okay, that's my two cents. I'm sticking to it. And God, I, I don't know if I really expect them to win this, this next weekend, but just be competitive, bro. Come up with something different. Have some imagination. 
Yeah. Like empty, empty your toolbox and get your team back to 500 is the way that I we do have a bunch of guys. This is also my freaking out too, by the way, because if you are a Chargers fan, you should be freaking out because perhaps the outside Justin Herbert, your most important offensive player is out for the year and Slater. That's, yeah. that's, that's bad. Right. So that's bad. And then outside of Derwin James, you're probably your second best defensive players out for a long period of time. Thank God he's not out for the year. He already had surgery in Joey Bosa, but um, he, I think he'll come back for that uh, Niners game. Yeah, that'll be perfect timing. <laughs> See his brother and have his groin fully recharged and ready to go. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I think the good news there is he had the surgery out of the way and he didn't say, hey, let me see how this thing heals for over the next two to three weeks and then have to opt for surgery well, and prolong thing, it even more. Sometimes when you hear about players not getting surgeries, you do have to, you know, like I said, I go, I went to the University of Google and you have to wait for things to like uh, the swelling to go. Like you can't do surgery yeah. right away. There's certain uh, circumstances uh, that, I, that, you know, that, that you have to wait a little bit. But this looks like, you know, you know. I watch shows like ER and Chicago, man. I know how this goes. They gotta they gotta wait for certain results to come back before Yo, they can just use the knife. When I was dating my wife at the time, I I watched three seasons of Grey's Anatomy. I'm, I'm you know I, McDreamy, McSteamy. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not too proud to you know I'm not uh you know to deny that. You didn't have to go to Google to that. You could just go to Meredith Grey and figure it out. <laughs> All right, well, all right, let's go up a little north and let's talk about how great your weekend was with the, watching the San Francisco 49ers. Let's create, let's keep the negativity train rolling full steam ahead, shall we? Oh, I, I was gonna, I, I want to say something as we uh, do make this transition. So I watched the first half of the Niners game, right? And then I had to put my daughter, you know, to bed. And by the time, if, you know, if anyone knows me, takes my daughter, it's basically it's like a cage match trying to get her down for bed. And by the time I got out, I looked on Twitter and I saw all the negative things that like this game should not be on prime time. This is a sleeper. Like what the hell? So I'm like, oh, looks like I'm not missing anything. So I decided I only saw the first half and, uh, you know, uh, so I only can comment on the first half. But um, this is where I'm going to let you and your expertise take over here. Well, if you watched only the first half, like you shouldn't be all that negative. It was a different type of game. I know. Uh, um I, my opening comment here is, did everybody enjoy NBC's version of Sunday Night Baseball? <laughs> That's my, my opening comment here, um, as we do the good, the bad. Actually, there is some good, right? And I think the good is our defense, defense. looks really good, actually. Um, potentially. That's a, That's a long-term problem, though, for you guys. It's a very long-term problem. Let we, me t- do you know why? we'll unpack that during the week or during the season, I'm sure throughout. Well, this is probably uh, D'Amico Ryan's last year coaching you guys up. No, if you follow the 49ers close enough, he'll be our, our head coach next year. That's <laughs> what people say. Okay. Um, you know, this team, this defense is potentially better than the 2019 uh, defense, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Listen, in this game, I mean, they sacked Russell Wilson four times. They had nine QB hits and they broke up five passes right so they were moving to the ball they were moving around they were getting pressure minus arc armstead by the way right so line uh one one integral piece of the cog missing lou this defense in three games has given up 28 points 
Now, there's been 37 points scored against us in three games. So that's a little bit more than 12 a game. But one of them was a special teams block field goal for a touchdown. I don't hold the defense accountable for that. The other was a safety that happened in this game. I certainly don't hold the defense accountable for that. So 28 points, you're talking about roughly nine points per game. I know it's not against the stiffest of competition if you look at the, the schedule for the first three weeks. But if you ask any coach, any GM, any player that if your defense gave up single digit points every single week, usually that results in wins. Mm -hmm. The defense is playing winning football. The rest of the team, not so much. They held Russell Wilson to 184 yards and zero touchdowns and a QBR of 32.9 for the entire game. So they let let him cook. They, they let him cook, and you've all seen the memes out there where they have, like, hot dogs and cereal, and they're yeah, like, yeah. Russ is cooking. I, 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 I just can't stand those only because they make me want to puke. Throw up, dude. I can't even imagine that combination. I like both of those things independently of one another, but not necessarily as a, a combination. But that's it. That's the good, the defensive side of the ball. Uh, now let's, let's, again, continue this negativity train. Come, 11... on. Come on down, baby. Choo-choo. 11 to 10. Apparently that's only happened once before in the NFL with a final score of 11 to 10. I mean, this game was seven to five at one point, dude, like ridiculous. And it's so crazy because like that scoring drive that you guys had, I'm like, all right, this is like, it's like, how can you go from that scoring drive? That was so impressive. Yep. To nothing, nothing. Like, throughout, like, literally nothing throughout the whole game. Yeah, and we're going to talk about where that nothing comes from. Because I have... I have a theory, but go ahead. I have a, I have a theory as well. Um, you mentioned injuries. I'll mention injuries for the second week in a row. The, the, the maybe not so obvious to outside of the 49er fan base is starting linebacker Aziz Al-Shair mm-hmm. leaves the game. The big one that we all know about, cool. arguably the best Silver player in, in football... Trent Williams with the high ankle sprain. Now, this also happened on the safety play, which I never thought I would be so happy to actually see a safety considering that it should have been a pick six, right? I might be the second happiest man in the world hey, outside of – by the way, that's, once again, it's a perfect use uh, utilization of the Alonzo Morning GIF. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> outside of Dan Orlovsky, I'm the second most – happy man in the entire world that that (laughs) happened. Now, if you don't know the whole backstory to Dan Orlovsky, just go Google Dan Orlovsky and you'll see how this man ran an entire side or an entire, the entire width of the end zone out of bounds, still trying to continue the play for a safety. And I think his Twitter response was hilarious about how he feels. He feels vindicated. Mark Mark Sanchez should be pretty happy about this too. It was on that type of level. Oh dude. So bad. Um, So bad. So, but the, the Trent Williams one hurts. Um, thankfully, it's to the tune of a month with a high ankle sprain. I mean, they brought the card out. They brought everything. And you're like, there it goes. Like, it's not often when you lose a single play and you're like, that changes the entire guard of the season. But people like Trent Williams, people like a Rashawn Slater, that changes a lot of things when that player goes out. Arguably, the best player on your football team, arguably one of the best players in the NFL um, missing relatively significant time. And you never know how these things healed up. Good news is, is he didn't have to have surgery. Now I mentioned earlier, 
Uh, the 49ers defense held Russell Wilson to a QBR of 32.9, only to be outdone by Jimmy G's abysmal 14.2 QBR for the game. So let's stay here for a minute. I, Lou, I want to know, where's the crowd right now saying that this team is better off with Jimmy as their quarterback. Where are those people I can't right now? I understand why people I, – I, I see that. I see that, like, some people on Twitter are calling out this crowd. I have yet to see an intelligent person actually make an argument clamoring for Jimmy G. Uh, but you've seen plenty of people make the argument. You're just saying that you don't just, find them to be intelligent or, intelligent or credible. But I can tell you the people that are making that argument have massive followings, do this for a living, and have personally gotten out of their way to say that this team is better and off. And they also Jimmy thought the, the election, the last election was also rigged too. So yeah, same mean, people. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> like being like they're just making shit up, bro, uh, for like clicks. And I'm sorry. I mean, there's no way someone can actually think that, <laughs> that the Niners are better with Jimmy G. We beg for followers, and these individuals have millions of them, right? Like Stupid love stupid. Oh, my God. I mean, dude, watching this game, I just saw – now, listen, before I even say this, I'm the first – and I'm the first to admit and first to call out that I still would rather this be Jimmy as the backup quarterback than throwing in rookie Brock Purdy or throwing oh, yeah. in Nate Sudfeld or throwing – I do think it gives them – the chance but what i did see is zero evidence that this team is better off with jimmy versus trey lance and again i'm not knocking him well i kind of am but i know i know that jimmy will have some decent games the rest of the season and he'll do enough from time to time to help them win but people are like, oh, he didn't have the playbook. He didn't have stop, the preseason. Stop, 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 he didn't. Stop, ha- no, I know, no, dude, no, but they say stop. this, bro. They say, say this. Stop, stop. When people say he doesn't have the playbook, he's been on this team for how long? He's been Since playing 2017. He's been playing with this particular core group of offensive skill positions for how long? Three, four years? Three years? Yeah. Four years? Come on, man. Come on. It wasn't a him that self-proclaimed it's like riding a bike. Last well, week. I get, Literally I guess, last week. I guess when he, you know, he went down the street, he fucking fell off on his face because he's like, "Oh, it's a little harder than I thought." Yeah, I'm I, sorry, I, man. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fake no, news, dude. You're right, but like, this is the vindication or the justification that he's been given in the past that he's been given, bro. If Trey Lance stepped out of the back of the end zone, the media would have crucified him, crucified him. And the reality is, Jimmy does it. And people are like, oh, he didn't have the, he hasn't had the playbook. He didn't get any preseason snaps and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm sorry, does not having any preseason snaps just all of a sudden make the end zone shorter than it was, than it's been since the entire time you've been playing football in your entire life? Like, it's, it's, it's mind numbing to me that I have to continue to listen to this. But again, I will stand and die on this hill that I would still rather have Jimmy as the backup than probably what the other options would have been having us be in this scenario. But what makes this even worse is the continued screaming of the fire Shanahan, right? It started last week when Trey gets injured and it continues this week that like somehow, some way Kyle Shanahan is expected to not only draw up the plays, but to execute them as well. 
right? Like to go out there and make the throws. Like, why are we even talking about this? You and can I, I talk- can, can yeah. I actually have something to add? Uh, I think semi intelligent, like I said, semi intelligent because I'm halfway through my drink. All right. Well, I'm assuming that these uh, pro Jimmy G uh, supporters and sympathizers are alluding to the fact that Jimmy G was witness saying that Kyle Shanahan, like worst play ever or whatever, you know, your play suck type shit, whatever. Whatever that was, there's no context around it. It was just a perfect snapshot of lip reading, and we have Mm -hmm. no idea what it's even in reference to. That being said, also, Joe Staley was on, I don't know whose podcast it was. I'm not sure if it was today or a couple days ago or what have you. And basically, they asked Joe Staley, how significant of a loss was Mike McDaniel uh, going to the the Miami Dolphins? And he said it was a really significant loss. And the, for the reason being is Mike McDaniel was kind of like the the orchestrator of the run, rushing attack. <clears throat> and in addition, he was like a mad genius in creating certain plays and schemes and stuff like that with Kyle Shanahan. So he felt like, and this is coming from the horse's mouth. So this is not like you know Stephen A. Smith or any of those other you know talking heads that I also was referred to, by the way. Uh, just, but, just this week, just this week. But uh, this is coming from Joe Staley, a guy that you would think he probably knows about the 49ers pretty well, right? So, what's your opinion on that? Do you think how how much does that does that merit losing McDaniel? That maybe he was a significant contributor to Shanahan's success. So I think it would be foolish to draw a straight line saying lack of success is because Mike McDaniel has moved on. Uh, Kyle's been in this league a long time and has had plenty of success in other stops that were independent of Mike McDaniel just as the head coach. But that being said, there's a reason why Mike McDaniel got a, a head coaching gig in the NFL. And he is a very eccentric individual, but a very creative mind and heavily influential in the running game. In fact, I'll go as far as to say that I truly believe he was probably the most vocal and the most instrumental about getting Debo involved the way that he did the way that they did last year in that manner, introducing him to the running game and just getting him touches and creative touches and saying like, look what these, these special athletes can do with the ball in their hand in space right not just running traditional dig routes and 10 yard hitch you know 10 yard hook and curls and yada 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 right um so it is a loss and it's a significant but every team experience this is year over year over year that you have these losses but i do think it'd be foolish and irresponsible to draw a straight line and say the lack of Offensive success and execution is directly related to Mike McDaniel leaving, but yeah, the reality I, I, is, I, I, it's, I, I it's do impactful agree. for sure. I agree. I think it's more of like a recipe type of thing. The the <clears throat> Mike McDaniel leaving plus the regression off the offensive line, uh, in addition to once again for some reason Kyle Shanahan running back can't stay healthy, so um, injuries in the backfield all probably lead up to your offense probably not being as efficient as it was last year. Cause last year, your offense, you could call it good. It was definitely efficient though. It was definitely. So I think these things, you mix all these things in the pot and this is what you're getting these first couple of games with Jimmy G. Hopefully things change. Cause Kyle Shanahan, in my opinion, is a brilliant head coach. All right. Um, I think if you get as far as you can with Jimmy G as, as, 
I think you're doing something right. Uh, but I, th- I do think it's a combination of things. No, I, I totally agree. Right. And I know a lot of people will point to like what I just said about Mike McDaniel being influential and in creating those touches for Debo and Debo still being utilized the same way this year. And Mike McDaniel's not, not there. So why is it not working? Well, the reality is, is the book is out on how they want to use Debo. Right. So teams are planning for that and scheming against it. And the other reality that coincides is the mere fact that no defense is actually threatened by the passing game. And that is not yeah, but a they direct weren't, attribution yeah, to they Kyle. Weren't, they weren't threatened by the passing game last year. And that is not anything to do with Kyle Shanahan. That has everything to do with who is under center. Lou. I also probably- have a theory, too. I have a theory, too, real quick. Yeah. That, uh, Jason Kelsey called this out. I actually think the fact that Kittle – um, George Kittle is such a good uh, blocker that uh, it's actually hurting their offense because they need, he needs to be running more routes and like getting out there more. Well, that ain't happening anytime soon with Trent Williams gone. You're going to see a lot You're of right. him assisting over there. You can't Listen, have that though. You can't no, you can't have, have that. You, you can't have, by the way, the best tight end in the league. hundred uh, percent. Like I said, because once again, I've also been called a Niner hater, but you can't yeah. have um, this week. Best, yeah. <laughs> the best tight end in the league helping with pass protection. He can't, he has to be out there running more routes. He has to get beat because once again, what Jimmy succeeds in is throwing over the middle. Yep. Kittle. That's where he, that's, that's his bread and butter. That's where he makes his living, man. And the fact that you're, if you're going to use him to, you know, run block or, you know, for chipping and stuff like that, I mean, you're, you're actually doing your, your offense, even a bigger disservice. I know he's great at it, but just because he's great at it yeah. doesn't mean he should be doing it a lot. I have no qualms with them using him as much as they do in the run game to block and versus like splitting out your tight end to draw a defender away from the box because he is very good at it. I could argue that you could just as easily strap 75 on his back and let him go play left tackle like this week if you needed him to. And it'll probably be a better result than whatever we're going to plug in. Colton McKivich, Jalen Moore, whoever it might be at left tackle coming up against the Rams. Exactly. Although – in the most crucial game of last year, week seven, week 18 against the Rams, Trent Williams didn't play. Colton McKivitz played left tackle, and he was actually um, pretty sturdy. That being said, in the run game, I think you use him because the more you utilize him in the pass game, the more that it's effective. The run blocking is effective for him, right? But not just lining him up like in a – like in a wing spot, like sending him in motion, pull, like pulling him, doing those things, catching people off guard. You know, like if you have him split out right and all of a sudden he's going in motion, it's like, all right, they're going to try to get the ball to him quick. And before you know, a quick pop, right? Like, and he just gets to the second tier, et cetera. So I have no qualms with them doing that. But here's why. So I do think Kyle's trying to stretch the field a little bit. And I think that's why George will stay into pass for pass pro a little bit longer because they need to hold up to give a little bit more time. But here's the biggest thing and why I know Kyle is not the problem. Just go put on the tape. Just literally go watch the tape and watch wide receivers run wide open all over the field, all over the field. Dude, I won't tell you how many times Jimmy missed open receivers down the field without like not even throwing to them on the strong side of the formation, which I know is your first read. But yet you're staring at like what matchup do you love on the left hand side where you're staring it down? Um, The one that he did connect with on Debo. Dude, he puts a good ball out there, a decent ball. And Debo's like literally still running, still running. Four days later, nobody's catching him 
but he's got to turn around, backpedal, catch the ball falling backwards because it's a, a lame duck going out there. I I don't I don't question the play call. I don't. I I mean, every once in a while in certain situations, maybe like mm, was was that it? You know. But like the reality is the overall game plan, it's there. It's just coming down to execution. So here's what I do know. Jimmy G is a really pretty man. He's a tough guy, but he's an eight-year vet who's still late with his throws, still throws behind his receivers. You know, you know he's going to – He is what he is. That's what I'm saying. But here's the worst thing about what he is, and it was really evident in this game. What do, what do good quarterbacks do when pressure comes? More often than not, they step up in the pocket when there's the ability to step up. This man still tries to get outside. Even when the pressure's coming from outside, it's like, bro, you ain't a 4440 guy. Like there's nothing about your track record that says you're gonna you're gonna break the contain on that outside pressure. He just doesn't step up. So people will be like, Hey, listen, the interior offense offense line held up pretty decently again against Denver's defensive line. Decently, not phenomenal but like still better than what i expected but they're like he's got no time he's got no time he's literally stepping into the pressure he's not stepping up to avoid it therefore he's not creating enough time to to throw the ball and these plays aren't coming to fruition so it's it's the same song and dance um i'm not i, I never want to put a game on a single person's shoulder but it's just it's just bad. It's evident. I know like, Hey, here come the Rams. Like I have no expectations of beating the Ram this week, even though we have tr- traditionally had their number over the last three to four seasons. I just don't think this is that year. Right. Like I think you see yeah, more. The Rams don't them. look too. They, they look don't like world beaters either, bro. But we, we definitely don't. The reality is though, is what's crazy is like this team should and could just as easily be three. But yet we sit here at one and two. Now, the worst part about this loss, another one to Russell Wilson. That's the worst part. Oh, my God. And, and what makes it sting even more is he is exactly who I've been telling you he is, where for three quarters, he is pedestrian. Lou, if you go look up, I guarantee, I don't even know this to be a fact. My eyes and my gut just tells me, if you went and look up Russell, Russell Wilson's statistics through the first three quarters of games in his NFL career, I bet you he is well below average in terms of QB perception. Where's our but staff you let boy? Man... I, feel like our, I feel like our staff boy hasn't been around in quite some time. I know, I know. I, well, I had to cut his pay, dude. You know what I think? <laughs> We're getting a little, little tight. Um, saving up for that big dinner I'm going to buy you. But the reality is, is like, but you let a guy like that who is just a winner, right? Like, for what he's, he's for as corny as he is, he's a gamer, he's a winner you know it's going to bite you in the ass. And they gave up the one touchdown possession in the second half. And I can't even fault the defense, dude. They're playing in mile-high altitude, and they were on the field the entire second half. You're like, if, you were, if you're a big fan of special teams, this was the game for you, baby. 17 punts in the game. And guess what? Did you see uh, oh, Eli or Peyton? Was yeah, it yeah. <laughs> Eli or Peyton? Whichever one tweeted out there. Eli. Like, Eli that about way. like paying the, pay punter the punter $250 million. <sighs> he earned it, bro. He yeah. pinned them back mad times. Mitch Wisnowski yeah. pinned them back mad times. Nonetheless, I digress. I'll pull the bar, uh, pull the Belichick. It's on to the Rams for, for Monday night football. It's on but to that freaking was a, out. 
it's on yeah. to freaking out on to freaking out as if we haven't done it enough you go who's who's who are you freaking out about <sighs> okay so <clears throat> huh no i'm gonna start with the bad uh just because i don't want you to use this bad if i'm a justin fields truther I'm freaking, I'm freaking out because I'm telling you, he's not it. He's completed 23 passes in three, in three games. games. His completion percentage is 51.1%. He has 297 total passing yards, which ranks him last in the NFL. And his TD to interception ratio is one to two, meaning he has two touchdowns and four interceptions. When you watch him play, he looks so ridiculously hesitant, and I'm sorry. There's no way that this guy is the future of that franchise at the quarterback position. And you want to know what? I think the new uh, Chicago Bears GM knew that coming into this year, and that's why he loaded up everything on the defense, and he might try to go get his guy next year, you know, maybe like someone else. Well, they're get- smart. They'd start losing some games instead of sitting at two and one right now. Don't worry, they're, they're, <laughs> don't worry man. They're going to start coming. Yeah, no, they will. Um, Justin yeah. Field, I, I didn't like him during the draft process. Uh, and I, I don't like him. There's nothing that, you know, that has changed my mind on him. I've always been down on him. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't even disagree with that. I'm, I'm staying negative train the whole way here, baby. Um, I'm, if, if I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, I'm actually freaking out a little bit. So hear me out. I know the record says they're two and one. But something, and this is just what my eyes tell me. It's not what the record tells me. Something just looks broken there. Yeah, they're all they're riddled with injuries. Uh, no Godwin, no, there's no Evans this past week. I mean, like, those are those are big losses. I mean, well, you get you get Evans back, right? I get it, but like the offense to me just is not clicking. Like they haven't been able to really get the the running game going. Speaking as a fantasy football GM who owns Leonard Fournette uh, in a multitude of leagues, has really been. Let me ask you a question, Weston. If your wife nags you, does that make you do better at work? Because well, this is <laughs> that's exactly what's going on with Giselle and Tom Brady. Well, in the real world, it are does. Are you a better they're... Are you a better worker? I'm talking about at work. Uh, you know, after your, you know, your wife gets on, gets on you about something. Well, I guess my line of work is just like, lets me go take it out on other people. So maybe it does (laughs) like help my, my performance a little bit, but the reality is, is, and you're getting right to the exact point. Like Tom just, he just looks different. Like it's like he, I mean, I know he physically looks different, but on the field, it looks different. Like even the, like we've seen Tom lose his temper before, but like the broken tablets on the side, like, it's it's just feels broken and even the defense doesn't feel exactly the same right like and it's the same pieces you know um it just something is amiss and in come the kansas city chiefs on sunday night football this week um can i tell you what looks it's it's coaching it's coaching do you think Todd Bowles is that significant of a difference between coach. Bruce yeah. Arians? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's fair, but I'm just – I don't think you can disagree with me that something doesn't fe- – something just feels amiss. And you know at, what? This will right be now. a valid point once 
they get uh, Evans back, once they get Godwin back. If if they're still performing like this with pretty much the same pieces in place in a weak NFC, then, yeah, all fingers point to the coach. And a weak NFC South, nonetheless, right? Yeah. Like, not yeah. even just a weak NFC. So, um, yeah, so that's me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little weary if I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. Okay. I want to – let's, let's – let's, uh, Let's break through this rain, this this these clouds. Let's go some positive feelings. And I was between one or two teams, but um, <clears throat> it pains me to do this because I just talked about them ad nauseum in my prior uh, discussion. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, man, they kind of look like a different team. They look competent. They look fast, young, hungry. Uh, they're two and one record. They they're first place in the AFC South, which is a very winnable division, by the way. Who else is who else is uh, blowing your socks off when you watch them? And they are this close, by the way. They are uh, a Washington Commanders football team, or whatever you want to call them. You know, come back away from being three and zero. Yeah. So if yeah. you're you know if you're if you're in Duval, well, right now it's a little. You know, it's a little tough probably, but if you're in Duval, uh, you know, you're probably it's, – it's, you're starting to realize that Lawrence, you know, is probably that guy now that he has a competent head coach. Uh, offensive line looks better. The bookends look better. The interior looks better. Defense, the defense, they throw so much resources into it, especially among the front four. It's starting to pay, you know, uh, you know uh, it's starting to – you know, accumulate and show results. Yeah. Um, I'm a, you know me, Lou, I'm always the first to take my L's and I'll take them in stride. Um, I Trayvon Walker, I leading into the draft, I said there was a high probability that he had bust written on him. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think anybody who ends up being the number one overall, overall pick is going to have that, that probability because more oftentimes than not, they don't work out. I watched this game, and I'll tell you what, man. The kid is a special talent. He actually is a really – so I'm going to give props to your boy, uh, your, your boy Craig Smith when he was on. I thought you were going to give uh, props to Trent Balky. <laughs> no, I, give, I will never give props to Trent Balky. Um, but Craig, Craig schooled me. During our, our round table when we had him and Aponte on, it was telling me how he, Hey, no, there's something different about this kid, Trayvon. Like, yeah. When you're picked that high, like expectations, I'll just say this through three games, he has drastically exceeded my expectations. He and I think preseason too, by the way. Yeah. Who watches preseason football? Just who saying, you know, like it's not, you know, he, it's yeah. It's, it's cool. Glenn Coffey was once upon a time the preseason's league-leading rusher, and then he retired the NFL because he wanted to be a minister, and then a year later was arrested on drug and gun possession. So, like, what do you – like, again, who pays attention to the preseason? But, again, I'll take my L through three weeks of the season um, that he's nowhere near scratching the bus conversation. He is clearly a highly skilled individual, and I do agree with you. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing motivated. They're playing fast, competitive football. Yeah. They still, they still overpaid for their offensive weapons in the offseason because that's what bad teams do. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that pans out. But they're they're playing well. Um, I do have – you know what? I was going to roll – roll Todd. 
I was gonna roll with a negative one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a positive one. I did put I did put two positive ones down here in case my mood changed, and it's changing a little bit. Okay, that's, um, what, yeah, that's what wine does, bro. And bro, you know what I mean. Um, if I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, that was the other one I was gonna say. I'm feeling pretty hyped through three games. We are two and one. We are statistically sitting atop of the division. All while they're all world quarterback that they paid a gajillion dollars is suspended. And if they keep up this pace, this division, not even like, I mean, if they maintain a 500 status by the time Deshaun gets back based on the way the other teams are playing, this division's winnable, dude. The Bengals are slipping and they're slipping big time, right? Like their performance here was against the lowly New York Jets. Who beat the, the Browns, by the way. Who beat the Browns. But the Steelers are what we expect the Steelers to be this season, right? And I still don't think the Ravens have, like, really hit their stride, right? I think they're still figuring things out. I still, like, we're seeing, like, the same thing we saw through the first eight weeks last season where it's the Lamar show, the Lamar show, Lamar, Lamar show. They go as far as Lamar goes, even though I expected them to be a better all-around team. So, Quite candidly, through three weeks of the season, things things look rather optimistic for the dog pound. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, they're definitely on my list here if I'm freaking out in a good way. Um, once again, they are a freakish loss at home to the Jets from being 3-0. I love what-if scenarios. So how apropos would it be Deshaun Watson gets back to a winning Browns team? First place in the division, right? He comes in under center and totally shits the bed and they start losing. How apropos would that be? Hey, listen. Yes, quite apropos and still quite feasible, right? Like the, he for hasn't the played in quite a, you know, hasn't played in a while. Hasn't played in a while. He's going to come back to a lot of media turmoil and a lot of scrutiny. Yeah. Like he will be highly scrutinized for his performance on yep. the field because of his performance off of the field, essentially. All right. Do you have, that was two and two, right? I'm, yeah, I'm good. All right. Um, let's get into the offensive and defensive side of the football. We can start with the offense. Lou, who was your number one offensive player of the week in week three? going to say Khalil Herbert. Shout out to uh, Khalil Herbert running back for the Chicago bears. Uh, Filled in mightily well uh, for uh, Montgomery, David Montgomery, who went down with a knee and ankle injury. Uh, Khalil Herbert had 22 touches and 169 yard total yards and two touchdowns in relief for David Montgomery and their and the Bears' second win. Um, if it wasn't for him, Bears probably it would don't not win. be a second win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so Khalil Herbert for me. Yeah, um, he was big time. Um, I felt that pain because. Again, somebody who carries Montgomery in multiple fantasy leagues. Uh, that hurt. For me, number one is the same as it was last week. It's it's Lamar again. Um, yeah. 18 to 29 for 218, four touchdowns through the air, 11 carries for 107 yards and another TD. So do the math, 325 total yards and five touchdowns um, on the week. He's just... We, we said earlier, Jimmy is what he is, and we're saying this about Lamar. Lamar is what he is, and good for him. He's doing, doing it during a contract year, baby, because homeboy is – he stays – he 
he performs at half this level for the rest of the year, he's gonna get paid. Yeah. He's gonna get paid a lot of guaranteed just, money just in San stay, Francisco. In San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to my next point. Don't do crack. <laughs> Don't do crack. <laughs> All right. Uh, I do have another. It's interesting. Yeah. You went Lamar Jackson. Um, I was toying between him and this other gentleman. Going Josh Allen. I know they did lose down, down there in South Beach. But if you look what he did for his team, he was 42 of 63 for 400 passing yards. And he had two touchdowns. But he also led the Bills in rushing yards with 47. So through the air, on the ground, just another ho-hum day against a pretty talented and aggressive Miami uh, Dolphins defense. Um, just wasn't enough. And I think injuries are starting to creep up on the Buffalo Bills defense. Yeah, you know what's funny, though, about that game? Because I almost had uh, a Miami. I did have them in my notes, but for a second consecutive week of, like, positivity, positively freaking out related to them. Because I've said this many of times on this show, and I'm certainly not the only person to ever say this, but good teams find ways to win. And that wasn't a game that Miami deserved to win, right? Like, if you look at the statistics, Buffalo yeah. dominated that game. A few blunders. I do think injuries specifically to the safeties um, are going to – creep up on them and we'll see the real test is is coming another real test for is coming this week for them but this is what lamar and josh allen do bro they lead their team in rushing clearly they lead their team in passing but they do it efficiently and effectively week in and week out and that's why they're uh two of the the best superstars that the nfl has to offer i'm gonna go one more and i don't have him in this slot on my list i have six players listed on the offense, I had trouble finding. Last I did week too. Was easy. Last week was easy to find offensive. Uh, I reached. Players. I this reached. Week, yeah. Um, because it, it on both sides of the ball, it was kind of like nobody had like that standout standout performance. Maybe like outside of a couple people, but it'll. I'll guarantee you, it'll be the only time that I say this individual's name in the 2022 season and probably moving forward. But Mac Hollins, the wide receiver from the Las Vegas Raiders, eight catches for 158 yards and a touchdown. Mac, if you listen to the show, you are getting love from the We're Talking Football podcast, and we might be the only ones. But, like, dude, on a team that has Darren Waller, on a team that has Devontae Adams, on a team that has Hunter Renfro, like, you were the guy. And you were yeah. the guy in a big way that kept, for the most part, the the Raiders in that in that ball game. So shout out to you, sir. The zero and three Raiders. Anytime I can talk shit about uh, uh, Raiders, Raiders. I, I will find yeah. a way. No doubt. All right, let's let's go to the defensive side. Do you want to go first? I went first offensive. I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll lead. Um, I have a couple. Um, I'll. I think we would probably be looking at the same two people up top for the, all the same reasons. So mm-hmm. I'll take the latter only because I saw this person play live on Monday night. So I was at the giant cowboy game. So I'm going to go with Demarcus Lawrence. He had six tackles, three tackles for a loss, three QB hits and three sacks. And that's usually our threshold that two and a half plus um, to, to three sacks. When we talk about the defensive line, I will give kudos to the defense coordinator in Dallas. Um, Parsons did play in this game. Yeah, yeah, sure. I don't even like to call him by his name. So, yeah, Dan Quinn. Um, the reality was is, like, they did the obvious and they just lined, lined the line Demarcus Lawrence up over the rook, Evan Neal. 
and he just abused him all game, dude. He abused yeah. him in the worst way during this game, and and it was what rough. I, what, did I t- what did I tell you about this Dallas defense in the beginning of the year? They're stingy, man. You, you I said thought, it. I, I said, yo, their defense is going to be way better than their offense. Oh, and it's evident, although I'm going to say this out loud. <laughs> Giant Cowboy game. Anybody from the East Coast knows if you go watch a Giant Cowboy game, the stadium is a 50-50 split. There are that many Cowboy fans in this general area. They're America's team, right? It's a 50-50 split. So I'm on the escalator going down from our top of the stadium seats, uh, my family season tickets, and we're going down. And I'm hearing all these Cowboy fans just talk to one another, and they're all liquored up, and they're all fucking pumped up on a Monday night win. And they're all like, fuck Dak. Fuck Dak. Cooper Rush, Cooper Rush, Cooper Rush. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just listening. And again, most ca- most NFL fans are not educated NFL fans. Like they root for a team, right? Like, and they find a team, and you like to go to games and whatnot. Cooper, but I still throwing nice. Ball, I was though. starting to sit there, and I was like, "These guys might be onto something." Like, you can't for the mere principle of what you pay Dak and what his ability is. But I tell you one thing that I know about when you have backup quarterbacks in: they run the offense the way it was designed to be run, right? Like, and it's usually. Low risk, low reward. No right? hero don't, ball. Don't, yeah, don't go lose the game. That's not what we pay you to do. But I'm also not going to pay you to go win the game. Let's play to our strengths, and let's not put our defense in a bad spot. And the strength is the defense. And Cooper Rush does not put their defense in bad spots. It's a nice not a coincidence. Quality. He's 2-0. and I'm just saying. Yeah, it's a nice luxury to have. All right, who's your, who's your guy? All right, so I actually have a uh, rookie standout and former Baylor Bear. Baylor Bear, Jalen Petrie. He had eight tackles. Yeah, eight tackles, one sack, two tackles for a loss, two pass defense, and two interceptions. Uh, Now, he, he, you know, he was fantastic coming out of college. A big fan of him, and he's he's proving. um, You know, he's throwing his uh, hat in the ring for uh, uh, defensive player of the year. He's he's been playing really well these first three weeks. D-Roy, um, you know, I mean, dude, I pounded the table for wanting this man in the in the draft yeah, this year. Um, a heck of a player. And what what's the best affirmation you can give to any NFL fan, especially does like what we do in our spare time is like, tell me I'm right. <laughs> right. <laughs> he just keeps telling me that I'm right about some things. Um, number two for me. And I'm leaving some people here, but I'm going to go with Roquan Smith, actually. Perfect. I'm glad 16 this. tackles, two tackles for a loss, a, pan, a pass defense, and a pick. I would argue that 16 tackles is probably like, I mean, enough, right? Like that's just mm-hmm. nose on the ball, and I know it's that kind of game. But the cherry on top was this man going and getting himself an interception during the game as well. So uh, Roquan, Roquan Smith for me. Okay, I have, I have one last one. And I'll throw um, one last one, too. I think this one I think is going to surprise you, actually, because if you look at this individual's um, stat sheet, nothing pops out. Nothing. Not tackles, not sacks, interceptions, or anything like that. You have to watch the tape on this one. Jeffrey Akuda, cornerback from our favorite Detroit Lions. Bro, you're a fan, too. I love it. Yo, it, yo this shit is you – know, this Lions fandom is spreading more rampant than COVID. So 
Jeffrey Akuda, the highly touted cornerback uh, out of Ohio State, has had a rough get-go uh, to start off his career. But he's finally healthy. He's, you know, he's worked his way back. Dan Campbell, you know, saying his praises. And basically, he could have felt entitled to, you know, be a starting quarterback. But he really put the work in this offseason. And he held the Justin Jefferson to 14 yards. And he was manned up on him. And if you look at the tape, it was his recovery speed that, that shows significant. He, j- he just played with great leverage. Um, this has nothing to do with stats, but it does have to do with stats if you look at the opposing team stats and their best cor- uh, receiver in Justin Jefferson. Anytime you're shutting Justin Jefferson, I know you can you can throw the Kirk Cousins, you know, uh, you know, memes out there or, or whatever you want to do. But whenever, you, but Justin Jefferson, he's going to eat on a Sunday. All right, well, and he's going to eat well, and. But he hasn't he played in two fantastic. Weeks. Yeah, but he's played fantastic. But Jeffrey Akuda, great job of shutting him down. Wow, I, I did not see that one coming. Um, I knew you would. I'm going to throw one out there, and I'm going to shout out the entire Philadelphia Eagle defense. Oh. <laughs> the whole defense. You want to talk about revenge game? <laughs> oh my god, dude, bro! They sacked Carson Wentz nine times in a game. Mm-hmm. nine times. I think their leader was uh, Brandon Brooks. I think he had like two and a half or uh, excuse me, Brandon Graham, uh, two and a half, 17 QB hits. You know what that tells me? I'm not even throwing pressures out there, right? There's probably 30 plus in this game. Like they got after the quarterback. And you know what? That tells me everything I need to know about the defensive backfield as well because there was probably some shutdown going on in that coverage that let them get those extra few hits, those extra few pressures, and maybe an extra sack or two. So Philadelphia Eagle defense, wow. I think you're shortchanging uh, one major contributor to all those stats. The Carson Wentz. offensive line. <laughs> Carson Wentz. Now, Carson Wentz has the pocket awareness of you know, Ray Charles. <laughs> like, he, he doesn't of know Jim, anyone. Of Jimmy Garoppolo? He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's just, he's just awful. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty bad. I can't believe none of us said. I mean, I have him on my list, but Dietrich Wise. Dietrich Wise, three sacks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right, yeah Dietrich I, Wise, three sacks. You gotta yeah. get anyone has three sacks. You got a special place in my heart. You get love. Um, we're talking football podcast. So real quick, because it just came to mind, and I'm gonna call this out, and we'll get into our next segment. Um, we last week rushed a little bit at the end. Ah, shit. To get out of here. Can we I'm gonna, can you, Tam, remind I'm, everyone? I'm glad you didn't bring this up in the beginning, but go ahead. I'm going to clue the – now that we're in a better mood, I figure this is probably opportune time. Yeah, I'm uh, like three drinks deep. <laughs> no, but I also just thought about this because I sent you a text message while we were talking, and that's how you communicated this to me last week as well, um, was lose like, hey, my battery and my computer is dying and I can't get it to work. So I'm like, all right, well, we'll start speeding through some things. So we rushed up some things because I didn't want them to fall off in the middle of it. And when we hang up and we I was just, to- I, I was, I was just lying to you. I just had to take a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of do, but we'll, we'll see. Um, but as we wrapped up, we always, we always shoot the shit for a little bit while longer and he's like, oh, my computer's dying. My computer's dying. I'm plugging it in. Nothing's working. I can't get it. So the reality is, is the charger for his um, MacBook was in the wall. The cord was plugged into the computer. 
but the cord was not plugged all the way into the charger in the wall. So we figured this out on the fly, user error. We didn't have to rush through everything, but I promised Lou that I would call it out. Uh, rookie mistake, technological guys, difficulties. Guys, 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 I, 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 I charged you. All right, I charged you. I'm sorry. Uh, you just you had 10 days to prepare, and you weren't prepared, dude. <laughs> All right. Speaking of preparation, what are you preparing f- and looking forward to this weekend in week four of the NFL season. I'm sorry. I'm going to do low hanging fruit here, but it has to be Bill's Ravens. I think it's probably the battle of the most exciting dual threat quarterbacks out there. Um, It's going to be fantastic. Uh, You have the bills coming off, you know, a a tough, tough loss, but back on the road again um, against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And I just think this game, it's going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be high scoring uh, because I don't think the injuries on the Bills side, they're throwing out Xavier Rhodes out now, you know, the, out there in the secondary, and they've lost two safeties. For some reason, the Ravens secondary is still not well. I mean, I think you let Devontae Parker catch eight catches for 156 yards. I mean, you can't really say you're a stingy you know, secondary. So it should be interesting from both a passing and rushing standpoint from both quarterbacks. So I'm just looking at these two guys, Lamar versus Josh Allen. Uh, get your popcorn. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I mean, clearly that's on my list, too. Believe it or not, I am very much looking forward to tomorrow evening's game. Uh, the Miami Dolphins versus Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. Part of this is because I just happen to think that Amazon puts out a very good product and I'm happy with their Thursday night production to point um, to this point. And I hope they acquire the Sunday ticket versus what I've been exposed to for direct TV over the last, I don't even know, 20 years of my life. Apple's in the mix. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's been decided yet to be honest with you. I think it's just like, who's in the mix. Um, If they're not in the mix, they need to get in the mix right now. You want, you want more Amazon subscribers. This is how you do it. Tell you that much. Um, But for me, like on the field, since he got off the schneid last week, right? They've been start- still a, a putrid performance, if you ask me, overall, you know, by the team. But does that breed a little bit confidence and do they get back to their winning ways? And then what I really want to see is Miami coming off of that. Let's just call it a really emotional win in the Buffalo game on a short week. And can they beat the defending AFC champions? I believe this game is in Cincinnati. Um, I have to double check that. We'll talk about it when we get to the next segment here. Um, we'll get confirmation on that. But if Miami starts 4-0, that's a lot of confidence building on this team with a new coach who's got the swag that Mike McDaniel does. Like, you want to talk about dipping into your creativity? Nothing will make this man dip further into it. I saw Tyreek Hill talk about him, how Tyreek Hill's like, dude, he coaches like he's like playing Madden, right? Like he just like draws up plays and does these random things. And I, you asked me before, is it a big hit to the 49ers? And I said it is, just on a direct correlation as to thing, why things aren't going right there right now. Um, but I think this is a bigger test for Miami than most people think, just based on Cincinnati's record. Okay. Okay. I got one more. Yeah, go ahead. You know me. I'm a sucker for revenge games. The Jacksonville Jaguars at the Philadelphia Eagles. Looking forward to Peterson coming home. 
Uh, it would be nothing. I mean, I don't care who wins this game, but I would love to see Peterson come home uh, with Lawrence and uh, spoil their parade a little bit. Um, that would be fun. But um, yeah. I think I think it's a big game for both. Once again, Eagles are Eagles are looking like a serious contender. Uh, I did pick them before we you know we started the season to win the NFC East. I'm not backing off on that. They have done nothing to disprove you know disprove uh, my confidence in them. Uh, this will be a good litmus test for the Jacksonville Jaguars because they've been competitive. They've been good uh, the first three weeks, but let's see how they you know when you step up against another big boy, big boy team. I argue this is a litmus test for the Eagles. I know their record says 3-0, and and I know they seem to be passing the test with flying colors, but week one, they narrowly escaped our Detroit Lions, uh, You know, even though they built that lead but almost let them come back. Week two, they played a Kirk Cousin-led team on a Monday night football game, and we all know how that goes. I mean, you can just mark that in the dub column even though I picked against them. I don't even know why I did that. And then they played the Washington Commanders last week. So I think – and the way Jacks, I think Jackson is a more formidable opponent than anybody else that they've played thus far based on the circumstances of their playing. Um, so I, I think it's a litmus test for the Eagles as well. Um, Touche. Touche. Since you threw out one, I'll throw out one more, and I won't take the obvious of watching my 49ers and Rams on Monday night, um, division rivals. I'm going to say – Kansas City Chiefs versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. See, I wanted to say that, but really, because I'll tell you right now, Tampa Bay, you've already, you know, you know, I've mentioned that like they don't look, they look skittish and like they don't look like the Bucks in the last two years. So they're not as enjoyable to watch. And I'm also going to make an argument. Same thing with the the Chiefs. Their defense looks good. Okay. But the reason why you tune in is always Mahomes. And I know Mahomes is getting it done, but he looks a little more <laughs> super he looks a little more human than superhuman. I'm not saying he's playing bad. Mahomes, in my opinion, is probably the best quarterback out there. Uh, but before, you know, you you'd be petrified of him. Now he look he looks you know, you see a little blood in the water. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd argue that both of these teams have something to prove. Everything that I just I mentioned earlier, and you just recapped around my my concerns for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you did that, you know, they get Evans back. I would say a contribution to their loss to Green Bay and this team not being three and zero is uh, p- playing mistake filled football. They they turn the ball over quite a bit um, on the offensive side. Dumb penalties put them in bad spots. So I th- feel like they got something to prove. And I promise you. Never in a million years did Kansas City think they were going to walk into Indianapolis and have a dogfight on their hand last week. Which without, is what without, they without did. Shaquille Leonard or Darius Leonard, where you want to call against a Gus Bradley defense, which Mahomes always eats up. Yep. Like I, I, I was utterly shocked that that happened too. So here's a loss from Tampa Bay proves my theory right and could potentially send this team spiraling, in my opinion. Um, nah, they still, they're still in the NFC, though, man. Yeah, but a win will bolster that confidence and be like, hey, like we we were in the playoffs last year. We you know won the Super Bowl the year before. Like We're still that team. We still got that swag. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Let's recap uh, what happened last Did week. Did you check my, text me- check my text message, by the way? I, ch- I responded back. Okay. All right. So let's go into the pick Okay. Okay. Um, perfect. 
let's go into the pickums. Last week in week three, Lou, you were nine and seven. I was nine and seven, and we weren't nine and seven because we picked the same teams. Oh, no, we know we picked like three or four, uh, three games yep. and different. And it and it's just how it wound up, right? So we we were. Uh, do you have an par- overall? What we are. I do have an season? overall. Overall for the season, I am twenty five and twenty three. You are twenty six and twenty two. So you got me by one game right now. <laughs> Bastard. All right. So. Allow me to break out the Weston, schedule. I always, I always want to tell you when we do this, there's no shame in finishing second, my friend. <laughs> when there's only two of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. All right, Lou. We're starting tomorrow. Starting tomorrow. Miami at Cincinnati. I'm going to give you a quick answer. Bengals. Miami's banged up. You got Tua uh, banged up. Um, I just feel like. Once again, they played a, a crazy game against the Bills. It's just my philosophy. When you play an emotional, crazy game against uh, you know, a division rival, there's always going to be uh, a letdown the following week, especially on a short week, especially traveling to Cincinnati. Uh, in addition, Miami's defense, good, albeit they do blitz a lot. Uh, if they don't get home, it could be a problem. I know the Bengals have an issue protecting, but I think there's going to be some big risks, big rewards uh for the Bengals, and I think they hit on. So I'm saying Bengals. All right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get dirty real fast. I'm gonna go Dolphins. Okay. I I I hear everything you're saying with the, the you know banged up to uh, things of that nature. Um, I we we both predicted this slip from Cincinnati earlier, mm-hmm. um, and I think Miami's defense is still their strength, believe it or not. And I think that offensive line is just given fits for Joe Burrow right now and not keeping him upright. So I'm going to say the fish in what is always usually a close game on Thursday night football. doesn't mean it's going to be a great game, you know, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the fish on this one. Okay. Um. All right. Minnesota at new Orleans. Isn't that in New Orleans? No, isn't that in, uh, it's England? in new Orleans. No, it's in new Orleans. Really? Oh, Oh, no, excuse me. Excuse me. It is. So it's at New Orleans, but it's at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. Okay. Um, Minnesota won last week. I'm going to say give me New Orleans. Okay. No rationale. Um, Banged up Dalvin Cook. That's not yeah. that. Yeah, you know, that that's rough. Um, should I backtrack him? I think. You know what? Screw it. Before I'm you not, backtrack, I'm saying the Vikings. Yeah, because <laughs> so I just realized New Orleans has some injuries on on the on themselves too. So I'm going to go Vikings. Yeah. I okay. Grab out some of the injuries that the New Orleans has. No Michael Thomas. No Landry. That could be a big problem. Yeah, I have no rationale either, other than like. Kirk Cousin just feels like a guy who can't play on Monday night, but could probably play in the UK on a Sunday morning at nine thirty. Hour time. You know what? Yeah, that's one hundred percent right. It's literally the opposite of prime night prime time yeah. game. I don't okay. even know how so, you watch this. Oh, on the NFL Network, apparently, according yeah, so, to what I'm looking at. So yeah, I'm uh, going Vikings. Yeah, I'm all right, I'm, I'm going Vikings too. And I also think, you know, in all seriousness, like 
based on the last two, like they will, they will be going out of their way to get Justin, Justin Jefferson, the ball this week, Yeah, out of their way, have to. All right. The Cleveland Browns at the Atlanta Falcons. Dog pound. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Browns here as well. Speaking of Browns, I checked in on our boy, Scott, because he's down in Florida. So I wanted to make sure he was all right. Cause I know he's in the, the storm's path. Um, the Commanders at the Cowboys. I mean, I got Cowboys. Yeah, Cooper. How can you bet? How can you ever bet against Cooper, Cooper Rush? Rush? Wow, I'm, it's one of the, the greatest guy, football names. Exactly. This guy sounds like he should be. You know, he was like in Varsity Blues or like, yeah. or what's that that show with? Um, yeah, Blue uh, Mountain, Blue Mountain, whatever. That I was one. Gonna, I was gonna say that uh, was a Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights, like, yeah. Dude, this yeah, this guy could Cooper Rush and plays in Dallas. I mean, you can't you can't bet against that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost as good as like Colt McCoy should yeah. be the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Um, Seahawks at our Detroit Lions. I'm taking the Lions, baby. Okay, I'm actually gonna say the Seahawks. The Lions are ridiculous. If you saw the injury report from today, uh. They're banged up, and some of them might play. All right, but um, how effective will they be? Uh, Amaran St. Brown hurt. DJ Chark didn't play. Their left, uh, their left guard, Gabe Jackson, didn't play. Uh, Swift won't play. Yeah, uh, they they <laughs> they are really banged up. Detroit. Okay, I got Seattle. You got the Seahawks. I got the Lions. Titans at Colts. I'm, I'm gonna go uh, Colts here. I think they build up something after after that win against um, uh, the Kansas, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. And I also feel like Derrick Henry still is not himself yet. I feel like. Hey, who told you that? I yeah, this listen. Year? I will always give credit where credits due, and you were the first one to say the chink in the armor. You know, he feels like he's a, you know he's no longer invincible. Well, he got the workload last week, right? Which was pivotal. 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 I don't even know. If that's a, that's not a word. Pivotal. It, it, in the game. A, it is, that is a word after you had a couple of drinks. <laughs> All right. The Bears at the G-Men. You can take this one first. I'll play off of you. Honestly, this one's tough for me because I just watched the G-Men play. And, dude, you know I'm a football fan, right? And I follow a lot of teams. And I'm standing in the stands with my brother. And they're announcing the defensive starters, like, as they're coming on the field. I'm like, look at them. I'm like, who are these people? Like – and here's the other thing that's a little concerning. Uh, Ojolari, right, who was their, their second-round pick last year, mm-hmm. he first game back was this last week, and Kayvon Thibodeau, his first game of the year was this week, and both of them got abused by the cap. Like, not just, like, a lot of self-inflicted abuse, just wrong positions, like, didn't keep the edge, didn't keep anything. That being said, I'm taking the G-men. Yeah, I just – the Bears probably will be out with David Montgomery. Yeah. So you have Khalil Herbert who can shoulder the work, you know, shoulder the workload. But outside of him, I just don't see. I, I I'm betting against Justin Fields. This is. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just betting against Justin Fields. Yep. All right. Here's the game you mentioned earlier: the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Philadelphia Eagles. Saying the Eagles, and let me tell you why. I think the Eagles' offensive line can neutralize that pass rush. 
Um, you know, they say like good defenses beat good offensive. Good yeah. offensive line can shut down a good pass rush. And I, I do think uh, this game is going to be exciting, though. It's going to be fun. But I do think the Eagles win this game. I, 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 not that like in Jacksonville is like in Duval is a, a home field advantage in any capacity. It's at Philly, though. Yeah, no, I would, I was basically saying, you know, like, Sometimes in these like closer games, I will I'll lean towards the home team, but I don't think that would give them the advantage. I'm I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying I think what made Jacksonville look really good last week was being able to run the ball and keep pressure off of Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be able to run the same way against Philadelphia's defense. So I'm going I'm going Eagles. All right, next up, the New York Jets. At the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Zach Wilson Zach cleared Will- the play. I'm going to say to make Steeler fans more agitated, I think they win. So that will prolong Mitch Trubisky or Mitchell Trubisky, whatever you want to call his tenure as their starting quarterback. So I'm going to say the Steelers. I'm, I'm Honestly, I'm the Steelers too. I think like – I'd I'm a, honestly maybe even have a little bit more confidence in the Jets if Flacco was going into this game. Somebody who has a ton of experience against Mike Tomlin um, yeah, and understands point. it. But, like, the adrenaline for Zach Wilson, missing the time, you know, maybe if he bangs one of his mom's friends prior to the game, he'll feel a little bit better and feel <laughs> – At least a hand job. Well, he's gonna hand you know up. what I mean? Like <laughs> – <laughs> like a raw dog one too at the oh, least. Geez. But I, I'm going I'm going Steelers as well. Wow, this show just went down God. real quick. Thank God on YouTube I always click not for kids <laughs> when they, that's an option when you post, by the way. Um you don't want us showing up next to like Bluey on YouTube or Blippy <laughs> on YouTube, you know. We're talking about totally different blueies on this show. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> All right. Speaking of blueies, the blue Buffalo Bills at the Baltimore Ravens. This one's really tough for me, dude. This, this is really this, tough for me. This is tough. Um, I'm going to say the Bills. I feel like Josh Allen's that type of competitor that he got beaten last week. He's pissed. I'm not saying, I just feel like. This is this game is going to be interesting to me. If the Bills go out there and do what they need to do, that shows me that they are for real. They can not that they they need to show me anything. So let me backtrack on that. But what that basically tells me is he's he's got that dog in him type stuff, and like he can bounce back from a tough loss. Um, and I, I got I still I gotta believe it in him. I think the Bills, you know, the Bills dominated. Last week, yeah. and yeah. that's I why I got to the Bills. I don't even know what the over under is in this game. Um, I'm I sure it's high. The, I can't get out of the mind that Mac Jones threw. You know, he didn't throw any for any touchdowns. Three hundred plus. Yeah, I can't get that out of my mind. If Mac Jones throws for three hundred yards against you, with no Jacoby Myers, my, nonetheless, who's usually racks. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I. So I'm. Um, I. So I. I. I specifically call out that I wonder what the over under is because if history tells us anything, the games that we always think are going to be shootouts end up being defensive battles. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we fell victim to that numerous times last year. 
right now, as it sits, I think the Buffalo Bills defense, even with the injuries, is is better than Baltimore's defense right now. Um, I I, I I'll, I'll do you one better. Forget Josh Allen as a competitor. Competitor. How about 49er legend Ken Dorsey breaking tablets and going absolutely nuts? Like if if there's anybody fired up for this opportunity, it's Ken Dorsey, and that's enough for me. 49ers legend. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills as well. Um, from another another thing that I want to. Do you know where Ken Dorsey's from? University of Miami, bro. You. No, you. Come on, dude. We drafted him in the sixth round. I used to tell people when we drafted him, I was like. To me, he was one of those guys that was like, don't care about the stats, don't care about his 40 time, don't care about anything. All that dude ever did was win football games down at the U. Like, he was a very successful collegiate quarterback, and people forget that, and a very smart guy. Hung around the NFL for a little bit of time and then just parlayed that right into coaching. So one other thing that I want to call out for this, the site that I'm on actually tells me tickets um, and costs while I'm looking at it. So just... Just keep this in mind right now. For that game in Baltimore, tickets are as low, as low as $127 right now. Just keep that in mind because I'm going to bring something up uh, in a moment again. So next game, your Chargers at the Houston Texans. Once again, I'm going to preface this. I think this game will be closer than everyone might anticipate. What the Chargers do decently, I feel like they do – they get – they take care of their business in revenge games. They have some guys coming back from injury. Lindsley practiced today. Keenan Allen practiced today. Um, Donald Parham, decent tight end, practiced today. So they're getting some reinforcements. It's going to be real close. I do think the Chargers, because they do decently when it comes to revenge games, win this game, even though it's going to be a, a one o'clock early game for them and they're on the road. But, um, uh, I, I'm picking them. I think they still have a bitter taste in their mouth from the last year's game against the Texans, right? When that's that, that, that's what I'm alluding yeah. to when I talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. revenge game because they kept on pointing, like, even before the season started, they talked like that was the game that basically kind of kicked them out of, like, being – like, made the – the cheat the following week the Chiefs game a must win to be the division uh leader right so yep, if they won yep. that game it wouldn't put so much emphasis on that Chiefs game so yeah I, I I definitely think uh they're no longer in a position to overlook this team because they realize what the team did to them last week I can't think that Burkhead's gonna run for what he did you know what I'm saying or yeah I, th- I, th- I think especially last week some humble pie you know, maybe that'll work in their benefit. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Chargers begrudgingly. I'm gonna do you one better, bro. I don't know if I've used this yet this year, but this is a must-win for the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> it's a must-win football game, and I'll tell you why, dude. One and three is not how you envision this season starting, right? When you looked at the schedule, coinciding with some of those injuries that we talked about that are going to have some long-term effects for the remainder of the season and even for the next like coming weeks and the knowledgeable charger fans that I know yourself included in that are already reeling a little bit off of last week's performance. God help us all. If there's a repeat performance against an, a subpar team like the Houston Texans, 
got to win this football game. And for that and, reason, I go with the Los Angeles Chargers. Any games they can win in this early part of the season is a huge win because then they'll get, you know, hopefully they'll get Bosa back towards the end of the season. That'll provide them a little extra juice. So any win, like I said, will be huge. All right. Arizona Cardinals at the Carolina Panthers. Ooh. It's like these are two teams you just don't know their identity. They're at Carolina. What time is that game? Tell me what time is that game. It's actually four o'clock, even though it's at Carolina. Give me that's Arizona. a big difference. Give me Arizona. Yeah. This is why um, I ask those I, this is why I ask those hard hitting questions, Weston. Uh, dude, you're right. And you and your I this is the first thing I looked at this well the second and thing. I, that I and I picked at. Carolina last week, by the way. Yeah. So Arizona. I think, I think with Carolina, I'm just going every other week that they're going to win or lose. Who'd they have? Uh, no, Saints. Yep, you did. And I had the Saints. I had the Aints. Um, I'm taking Arizona, too. I think that four o'clock start time is a huge difference. Um, I, again, both of these teams, I really don't know their identity. Um, but so odd. <laughs> what's so odd though is this is not the way that we're accustomed to seeing the Arizona Cardinals play, right? Like usually they start. I mean, dude, like last year, halfway through the season, we were calling Kyler Murray the MVP and Cliff Kingsbury coach of the year. I was never uh, doing that. I I said Lamar. I was. was it's MVP. documented. It's yeah, documented. Were. I have it. Um, I had, had to pump the brakes on that. But I'm going cards as well. Um, the other thing, remember, I asked you to hold on to something uh, a couple moments ago. Mm-hmm. Show you how the difference in market and the difference in like games that people care about. I said it was $127 tickets as low as for the Buffalo Baltimore game. For this Arizona Cardinal Carolina Panthers game, tickets as low as $17 to get to the stadium. <laughs> Wow. $17, bro, to get into these stadiums. I, I'll tell you right now that I'm, I'm wondering what's going on with these Chicago, New York tickets because it's in New York and it's saying tickets as low as $63. Lou, my family season tickets that I have, sit, we are literally the tip top row of the stadium and face value is $100 that mm-hmm. I pay for those. And they're going for as low as 63. So that just shows you how the Bears are coming to town. Whatever. I'll just lose money. I don't have to waste an entire Sunday. That's the way that goes. <laughs> All right, next game up, New England Patriots at the Green Bay Packers. Packers. Yeah, give me the pack. I mean, a Brian Hoyer-led uh, yeah. Patriots, I don't think so. Yep. Uh, Broncos at Raiders. I picked the Raiders last week. I'll uh, tell you right now, bo- I'm, picking, I'm picking them this week. They have to. All right, so ready? This is my rationale for picking the Raiders. They're at home. They're desperate. They're 0-3. You never – they're a wounded dog. And the Broncos have done nothing to show me. I think this is a big game for Devontae Adams. Um, and for that reason, I'm picking the Raiders. Um, I'll disagree with you on one accord. Well, I will 100% agree this, that the Broncos have showed nothing. Um but they're going to win this game because I said earlier during the offensive player of the week segment that I will never have to mention mention Mac Hollis's name ever again. Mac Hollis is going to go for a buck and a half and two TDs in this game, and it's going to be the Raiders. <laughs> you must have him on a fantasy team or something. God, God no. If he's if we were giving fantasy advice this week, which we're not, 
I think we should make a public commitment, Lou, that we will next week. Starting next week, we'll start. Doing I'll, 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 I'll gentleman handshake you there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sunday night game. Kansas City Chiefs at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Yeah. For those who can't see me, I'm doing the Chiefs chop. Are we allowed to say tomahawk chop? That's what it used to be. Right? I don't know. I kind of feel racist yeah. just saying that. I, don't, I, don't I apologize. I will uh, come up with an apology later. Public, public issue statement. Well, yeah, exactly. All right, final final game of the week. I hate that I have to pick this as the final game. The Los Angeles Chargers at uh, excuse me, the Los Angeles Rams. Wow, at, how many drinks you got in you there, buddy? No, that was just that's a that's a Freudian slip, dude. We talk we spend more time talking about the Chargers throughout the the show. Yeah, yeah. Los Angeles Chargers uh, again, the Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. I'm picking the Chargers to win this game, apparently. <laughs> oh man. All right. I mean, uh, I'm in your house. I'll let I'll let uh I'll let I'll let you uh choose first. I, I mean I said it earlier in the show when I was on the rant. There's nothing about the performance last week in, in Denver that gives me any confidence in this offense. Yes, I know the Rams don't look like the Rams last year. Um but the 49ers certainly don't look like the 49ers that closed out the 2021 NFL season. I know this game's on Monday night. I know it's in Santa Clara. I know we tend to play better at home. Um, I, I just, I just have, I have to go with the Rams. I, I don't think this is, I, I think with the changes on the offensive line and Trent Williams being out, that's enough for me on what we're going to be able to do on offense. You hit the nail on the head. I desperately want to say the Niners here. I desperately do. I can't only because the offensive line was a little suspect prior to Trent Williams being hurt. And now that he's going to be out for this Monday night game, I think, I think that's big. I don't, you know me, dude. I don't really criticize players often because I say this all the time, right? Like, who are we to criticize the ability of an NFL player? This is the elite of the elite, even if you're sitting on a practice squad. These guys are dominant at their sport to even be at that level. But So you think gonna, Storm Norton is dominant? Yeah. Look at you go walk through the moonwalk like Michael Jackson. No, 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 no. It's all relative, though, right? Like, I'm not backing off it. Like Storm Norton is good at football to be playing in the NFL. You know how many former collegiate tackles and high school superstar tackles that don't even sniff this league. But I'm saying this to say, yeah, but I'm saying this to say, Mike McGlinchey, get off your ass and improve in pass protection. Flat out. You need to, you need to be better as the number nine overall pick in a draft be better. Period. End of story. Pick before Derwin. Yeah. Yeah. I thought. I mean, I, I know we're getting off topic here, but I thought clear as day that Derwin was, was going to have a diner on his helmet. Let's. I thought it was like. I thought it was like written in stone, dude. Yeah. I'm like, like, all right. Well, I'm like, there goes my opportunity, and I was going to hope for Vita Bay. At that time, but well, the the reality too though is like I didn't even hate the McGlitchy pick when it happened. I mean, did I want Derwin? Yeah, but I, so much of our 
first round collateral in the years prior was predicated on the defense and specifically the defensive line. So I liked the change in the guard. And he also came in and was a nice complimentary piece to a very sturdy offensive line at the time. Like even when we were a floundering team, it wasn't the offensive line. That was the Mm -hmm. issue. It was lack of quarterback and lack of skill position and lack of other things. So he didn't have to do much, just be a decent right tackle in the NFL and you'd be an upgrade. But now there's expectations, dude. Now there's expectations. Like I know you had a significant injury last year, but you're out there play. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's great against the run. He's just a liability against the pass. And if we want to beat the Rams, like brother stacking the box, they're taking the run game away. Like you got to protect your quarterback. All right, dude. There it is. We'll we'll come back and recap next week. A little dangling carrot. We have a gentleman's handshake that next week we'll return to giving you fantasy advice. Here's the reality. We'll walk into the fourth week of the season. There's still not enough. I mean, there's still not significant enough long-term injuries in fantasy football players that you need to to make immediate changes too, but that's the, this is the time of the year. See, that bullshit. Start. What, what Wes is lying to you all. What the real thing is we just, we're lazy. <laughs> we haven't had time. <laughs> Come on, dude. That was my creative genius right there coming out. Yeah, but I mean, I smelt that bullshit through the mic. <laughs> I know me too. I got to evacuate my room. I'm stinking it up so bad. All right, Lou, that completes the week three recap. Like we always do. Tell everybody where they can find us. You can find us at, WTF Pod NFL on Instagram and Twitter and Weston. Tell them about YouTube. I'm going to tell you one more time about YouTube for tonight's show. We're talking football. Hit the like, hit the subscribe, tell your friends, tell your friends, help us out. But that's it. That's a wrap. We'll see you all next week.